1: If you don't sit in your lucky seat, your team could lose. So don't leave your lucky seat. But do pick up your phone or computer and order B-dubs to go. Or if you've got a big group, call in for the party menu. That way you can order wings, pick them up, and get back to your lucky seat. And if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings. Spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings,
0: wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Lakers Legacy podcast where the Lakers have just ended their annual Grammy trip with a two and two record, and as far as they're concerned, the Grammy song of the weekend in their hearts goes to Flow Riders My House, cause they are in fact back home and away from the East Coast chill. Isn't that right, Zubots?
2: Um hot. This is why I'm hot, this is why I'm hot. This is why this is why. This is why I'm hot. So I'm hot, you ain't cause you not. Hot cause I'm fly, some, something like that.
0: Okay, thank you, Zubats, with a throwback to the 2005, 2006. I don't even know what year that was. Classic. This is why I'm hot. Um, Alan, how excited are you about this episode?
2: I'm gonna say in 2017, this is top
3: three most exciting moments of my life.
0: Nice, Jordan Clarkson. Why should we be excited about this episode?
3: Let me know if uh, you know, if you hear, man, you might as well like be excited, you know, cause like. I mean, why would you be here if you ain't excited? So, you know, get hyped and uh, just, you know, strap in, get ready, have some fun. It's going to be a good ride. Get excited. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Clarkson. And we're very excited specifically because of a guest that you know personally. So today, this is going to be a no frills, keeping it trills kind of podcast because we are going to probably have one of our highest profile guests linked to the NBA that we've ever had, but also one of the more down to earth and enlightening guests as well. And I'm talking about professional NBA skills and conditioning consultant and coach Drew Hanlon, founder of Pure Sweat Basketball, and off-season trainer to such young stars as Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, and of course, none other than our very own Jordan Clarkson. Ain't that right, Clarkson?
3: Man, why you got, I mean, I guess, you know, you're leaving my name, you know, last because like best for last kind of thing. But, you know, if you let off with that, man, that uh that get people more hype but you know it's cool i give you that
0: <laughs> right <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, Before we get started, though, just want to let everyone know that today's episode is sponsored by SteinerSports.com. Steiner Sports is the leading provider of hand-signed collectibles and memorabilia. And if you use the promo code ALMIGHTY2017 at checkout, you will get a 20% discount on all your purchases. So go ahead and go buck wild and binge buy all that hand-signed Shaman Williams Lakers memorabilia you've been (coughs) dying to collect. So there's an obscure blast from the past Lakers name for you. Shimon Williams, everybody. I thought I was guy. the only
2: person that had Jamal Williams uh, hand signed memorabilia, but I guess
0: not. You won't be for long. Yeah. All right. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, the more times Jordan Clarkson and Uncle P will continue to do that Salt Bay pinch sprinkle salt elbow celebration after wins or even three-pointers and if you don't know what i'm talking about search the salt bay video and then also look at lakers instagram pics of this past week because those two do an awesome salt bay tribute with that said we're going to quickly just jump right into our interview with drew hanlon man it was a great interview we got so much insight from him he was a really cool guy and we'll just hand it off from here so hope you guys enjoy
3: (laughs) Uh, all I remember was Cove telling me that I've been going to the to the hole like a light skinned dude, so I gotta start <laughs> going like a dark skin. So when I seen the lane open up that's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so today we are proud and glad to have Drew Hanlon on as a guest. Drew is a professional NBA skills coach and consultant who runs his own full-service basketball training and skills company called Pure Sweat Basketball. He has some of the biggest clients in the NBA, and that consists of some of the best and brightest young players such as Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal, Joel The Process Embiid, Zach Levine, and of course our beloved and very own Jordan Clarkson. And unfortunately... Drew, you've had some bad shakes recently with Zach Levine going down. And we hate that because Alan and I are huge Zach Levine fans. And I know Joel Embiid is also going through a little bit of a rough patch as well with some ailments. And we hope he gets back soon. So, Drew, do you want to expound upon a little more what you do and share a little of your background if you can, how you got here, whether you played basketball and what, I guess, made you want to go into becoming a skills coach and consultant? And also, at this point, feel free to plug your website, your services, and any social media handles as well.
4: Yeah, so my uh, my story actually started out in St. Louis with my own playing career. Um, you know, I won a state championship in high school, ended up playing at Belmont University, played in a couple of NCAA tournaments, but... Uh really the only reason I was able to do so was because I was a hardworking player. Uh, you know, I was under mm-hmm. six foot, I was five eleven, uh, average athleticism, and so I had to overwork and just kind of really put in extra work to find ways to separate myself from everybody else in St. Louis that was maybe, you know, blessed with a little bit more athleticism or a little more height. And so uh, you know, my hard work was was very noticed by the media and everything like that. I used to shoot a thousand shots before school every day and then work out after practice. And, um, so Bradley Beal's parents took note and, uh, asked, you know, asked me to start working out, um, Brad, and this was when he was a freshman in high school and was averaging, you know, eight or nine points a game as a freshman. And, uh, after a full summer of working together and he grew a couple inches and lifted hard with his (laughs) brothers who were football players, they all played college football. Um, his sophomore year, he came back in his second year, second game in his sophomore season. He scored 52 points and uh, ended up averaging 24 points a game. He won a state championship, and um, as his success kind of uh, took off, my career took off in the same realm just because everybody wanted the same result that that he saw after a summer of working together. So. That's kind of how my career started. Obviously, before I worked with him, um, I had worked with a bunch of like local players, uh, you know, ranging from sixth grade to twelfth grade. So basically, all high school players. Um, but he was my first guy that really. Um, you know, put me on the map. And then from there mm-hmm. I got David Lee who was my first NBA player. I started working on David Lee when, uh, you know, during his all-star years when he was a golden state warrior, you know, averaging a consistent, like 20 and 10 on a nightly basis when I was in college. Um, and obviously when you're a college basketball player playing at a mid-major and you're working out NBA all-stars, uh, you know, the media takes note. And so that, that was very fortunate for me that I got a lot of publicity for that. And, uh, one client led to another, and now I'm fortunate to work with uh, guys on a regular basis.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story, and congrats on all your success and everything. Do you want to tell people where they can find you at and where you, they can find your site and everything?
4: Yeah, I mean, puresweat.com is the website, and then uh, on all social media, at Drew Heinlein, H-A-N-L-E-N, or at Pure Sweat. Pretty cool. We try to document everything that we do just because the average fan only gets to see the on-court kind of products. And and so we try to document as much of the off-season and uh, the lifestyle stuff as we can so that they get more of a behind-the-scenes look of their favorite players and and kind of what goes into, uh, if you will, the process.
0: Right. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Before we get into the Jordan Clarkson-specific questions, I guess, how do you approach coming up with regiments for each of these players? I mean, of course, I'm, I'm sure it's probably customized to each player, but what steps do you take to determine what a certain player should specifically focus in on or hone in on for a particular summer? Do you ask them personally what they think they should improve on? Or do you also include your own opinions based off of your own observation of what you feel like they should be working on? Is it a collaborative effort? The first thing
4: that I do before I ever start working with a client for the first time is I go through and watch
0: every single
4: possession of their entire career. So whether that means, you know, they're a five-year NBA player and I watch all five seasons seasons of their games, plus all their college seasons, uh, plus anything I can find on YouTube, just so I understand how they think, how they play, how they act, how they've grown, how they've developed along the way. And so I really have a thorough understanding of kind of uh, you know, their development plan, their patterns, and, and also the trends that I see uh, for them as a player. And then I try to understand their mindset as well from listening to all the interviews that I can find um, online and read in, in articles just so that I really understand them as a person. Um, and then once I do that, I kind of come up with a strategic plan of what I think is best for them. We'll never focus on more than three things in an off season. Um, you know, it'll be normally we itemize them and have like priority number one, if nothing else happened this summer but this happened, then we'd be – you know, we'd considered a success. Number two, this and so on. But we never get past three because you don't have time. You know, you have maybe mm-hmm. – if, if you're talking about from the end of one season to the start of the next, you maybe have, you know, five months. And after you you're, – if you're smart, you take off the first month, you know, maybe a couple weeks or a month just to give your body a break and recover because the 82 games so kind of uh, grueling on, and, and beats down your body – And so we've got about a a total of, you know, maybe four months to really get better at whatever they want to do. So we'll lock in. I normally, you know, put together a strategic plan. We go over the film of, of the following or the previous season. And then together we talk about it. And I ask them, I say, hey, listen, here are the things that I think. What are the things that you think? And then we compare lists and then kind of together we put together a strategic you know, process uh, to make those things happen and then put together realistic timetables. You know, I think it's uh, unrealistic for a guy to say, okay, listen, in the first three weeks, I need to be a really good jump shooter. It's like, no, that takes three months. You know what I mean? And so you kind of, uh, I itemize how long it'll take them to accomplish all the things that they want. And then we, uh, put together a priority list and, and just knock off, you know, priority number one, once that's accomplished, go to priority number two. And, and hopefully we can get, uh, you know, two or three things by the end of the summer.
0: Sure, sure. No, I really appreciate the diligence and the intentionality and the collaborative effort there. It seems like you really, really get into it and dig into it. So that's great. Alan has some questions specifically for Jordan Clarkson, so I'll let him ask you.
2: All right. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was wondering when it comes to Jordan Clarkson uh, and kind of his, his attitude, his learning style, and his approach to the game, You know, you hear about players who would be like 0% nonsense and 100% intensity all the time, probably like a Kobe Bryant type. And then there are probably some who are extremely effective, but maybe a little bit more laid back, simply due to personality. Uh, How would you describe Jordan's attitude and his approach to working out and training?
4: It's actually going to surprise a lot of people because a lot of people see Jordan as the and goofy guy that likes to have fun with, you know, Nick Young in the locker room and and dresses, uh, you know, crazy at times. Um, But when he's on the court, he's as intense and serious as almost anybody that I have. Um, And there will be obviously light moments where, you know, something funny happens and, or or I'll, you know, try to, you know, maybe he's too serious and I'll try to lighten him up and Mm -hmm. then you'll just see him smirk and smile. But um, for, I mean, for the most part, he's super, super intense I mean, to the point where if something's, you know, frustrating him, he's not doing it perfectly. It doesn't feel perfect to him. There's been times where he's, you know, drop kick the ball or, uh, <laughs> you know, got frustrated with himself. So he's as intense as possible as possible. And, and I think it's why he's made such a, a, a jump in his career. I mean, a lot of Laker fans uh, don't know this, but, you know, when we started working together, he had just transferred from Tulsa to Mizzou and that was in college and Uh, You know, that's how that's how far he's come. He was at a mid-major school, Tulsa, went to University of Missouri, you know, had to redshirt a year where all he was doing was working the entire time. Phil Pressey, who was like leading the nation in assists at the time, was, you know, the star point guard from Mizzou. And then Jordan gets one year to kind of show him, showcase himself. Um, He does that his redshirt junior year and then goes, you know, second round again, underrated um and then you know becomes a first team all rookie and second in rookie scoring behind wigs um you know i think it just shows that you have to work to get those results and um, he continues to work to this day and um, i think he's going to continue to grow into a special player that laker fans are going to be proud of
0: that's awesome alan do you have any other follow-up questions on jc
4: yeah actually you were talking about how he'll you know drop kick a ball
2: or uh really get on himself and I know when I watch the games, I do pay attention to body language a lot. And specifically, Jordan, maybe more than anybody else on the Lakers, he does look like he, he beats himself up when he makes those mistakes. Uh, what are some things that you tell him to do when he finds himself in those moments? Because for most players, you know, a mad player is a bad player. Um, but others can channel that in a positive way and produce uh, positive results. So, you know, what would you tell Jordan when he starts to get mad at himself in the middle of a game?
4: Yeah, I think first off, I mean, any player that plays with passion is going to have moments where they, you know, beat themselves up over mistakes and stuff like that. But the big thing is just to move on to the next play. Uh, you know, make sure that he's playing president making sure that hey, he plays with unbreakable faith. That's a big thing that we always talk about is, you know, making sure that regardless of what happens, you never get rattled. Um, obviously, this season was a little bit different for Jordan just because, uh, you know, Luke and the new coaching staff have uh, thrown a lot of different things out at all of the players on the roster, whether it's, you know, starting sometimes and coming off the bench other times and playing 35 minutes sometimes and playing 20 minutes sometimes. Um mm-hmm. And so he's played so many different roles that sometimes for a player, it's frustrating because you can't get settled into that role where you know exactly when you're coming in and out of the game and you know exactly what you're going to be called on to do during the game. And, um, you know, this Lakers staff has thrown a lot out because they're trying new things. They're trying to find ways to win and they know they're young. And so they're, they're, they're basically, uh, you know, they're preparing for the future and don't want to box somebody into a role that might not best suit them in the long run, and so uh, while it's going to be good for the long run it's definitely he's definitely had frustrating moments during the during the season, like all players do, and um you know the best thing is just to continue to try to work on the roles that are going to be presented to you and, and when those roles are just, uh, you know, not get frustrated. And and while passion might make you upset real quick, you got to snap out of it because, you know, as soon as you start getting frustrated that you missed a shot, you know, you got to still guard Russell Westbrook on the other Mm -hmm. end or, or whoever you're guarding that night. And so, um, you know, I think he's bought into the defensive end a lot better this year and and he's Mm -hmm. bouncing back from offensive mistakes. You know, a lot of times you'd see, in the past an offensive mistake lead to a defensive mistake but I think that now uh, you know when he makes a makes a error on offense he tries to get it back on defense and, and doesn't try to over get it back some of those guys you know you make an error on offense and you come back and you commit a dumb foul or uh, you know make a bad rotation because you're trying to be over aggressive I think he's just been able to kind of lock in push it past and while he does show a little frustration with his body, you know, after three seconds, he's, he's back in the game and and locked in again.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, you you brought up a good point that this year, it's a huge transition year for the Lakers, lots of growing pains, still sorting the kinks out. And, and, Jordan Clarkson, to his credit, has sacrificed a lot being so open and amenable to being a six-man, a bench player, even at the very beginning of the season. So I know it's—I'm sure it must be tough for him to just have to, you know, come out there in limited minutes and kind of just have to off the bat strike it hot pretty much. And, you know, people will— Maybe consider this as a down year, but just looking at his stats, I mean, the guy is averaging the the least minutes he's ever had, 25 minutes, and he's putting up better numbers at the same pace, pretty much, and at the same clip, if you look at his per 36s. And he's shooting career high percentage, essentially. So I think you brought up a good point there in terms of just this being a transition process. So I just wanted to ask you, what specific things did you work with regarding JC this year, this past summer? And I guess you said you usually hone in on like one or two things. So what were those things? Yeah, number
4: one was just uh, making a shot smoother with range. Um, you know, that was mm-hmm. one of the big things that we worked on was basically just making sure that he can, can maintain balance throughout his shot. Uh, that's something that he's been decent at this year. He hasn't been as as good as we would have liked, but uh, he's still, you know, continuing to work on it. Just make sure that he's taking good shots and making sure that when he takes those shots, he, he keep, keeps his balance uh, throughout the shot. You see that occasionally he'll – you know, fire one up there and twist and turn and um, and just lose discipline. And so that was one of our big focuses. Another one was changing speeds, which I think he's got so much better at. I think he's really yeah. excelled at changing speeds. And then the third one was just decision making. And, and I think that decision making, I, I would definitely say that he's been a lot better decision maker. Um, but it's still something that he's going to continue to have to improve on uh, as he grows. And, and And hopefully the game will eventually slow down for him
1: Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration.
0: Right, right. So this might be more of an overarching question on on your regiment, but do you ever try to totally rework a player's shot mechanics at this point, or do you just kind of try and meet them where they're at? So, for example, with regards to Jordan Clarkson, uh, I think you described his jump shot mechanics just now. Was there anything specific that, outside of him twisting and turning, that you wanted to tweak? Is it it just pretty much getting those uh, twists and turns out of his mechanic, essentially?
4: Yeah, I mean, we, we re-scrapped his jump shot back when uh, when he was at University of Missouri. Um, mm. You know, he had a really, really low release. He released the ball, like, chin level. Um, oh. And so we've raised it up. And obviously, you know, some, some analysts even say that he's almost too mechanical now as far as, like, elbow in, elbow perfect, everything like that. So upper body looks really, really good. It's where we want it. Lower body, we just got to eliminate him pulling up his knees and then twisting and turning. Um, but those will come, you know. And, uh, and one thing I didn't even name, but it was the actually biggest focus that we talked about this summer was defense. And, uh, yes. it's something that I really haven't spent much time on with clients before. Usually it's kind of offensive oriented because they're each coach has their own defensive schemes and rotations, but we worked on getting through ball screens. We worked on getting through pin downs. We worked on one-on-one defense, keeping the ball in front. We worked on all that this summer. And it was funny because the first time we ever did, it was actually at the Lakers practice facility. And I remember after, after we did a, um, A a two-minute defensive drill... Jordan has his hands on his knees and goes, you know, this effing sucks. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah, it does. I said, but this is what they, well, we need to take your game to the next level. And he was like, oh, I'm with it, Brody. I'm just letting you know this it sucks. And so, right. uh, you know, I think that over the summer he got some of those defensive growing pains out, which are good because Luke's such a defensive-minded coach and, uh, you know, really wants the guys to buy into playing on both sides of the ball, which, uh, which I think J.C. has done a ton better job this year than he did last
0: year. Oh, and honestly, it's been the most noticeable difference when we've seen him at the start of the year till now, especially from last year. The fighting over ball screens, just staying in front of his man, shuffling his feet, its it's been incredible. Alan has a question really quickly about JC's physique.
2: Yeah, that was the other huge thing I noticed was just his body. I feel like he's gotten significantly stronger. Uh, what was the intent there, and do you feel like he's maximizing his physical strength in his approach to the game, uh, and if so, in what ways?
4: Yeah, that had nothing to do with me. That was
0: all the Lakers', <laughs> the, the, the Lakers
4: strength coach uh, and Jordan put in a ton of work. You know, one thing that I think that people don't realize a lot of times is that whether it's the strength coach or whether it's myself, it, I mean, it, it, all the credit deserves to go to the player because they're the one that's either willing to put in the work or not put in the work. And um, Jordan lived in the gym this off season, which I was awesome, You know, which was awesome. It got a lot of credit. Um, the night after he signed his $50 million deal, uh, I meant the morning after he signed his $50 million deal, he was in the gym at 8 a.m., um, and we we're back to, you know, three days where he did two workouts with me on court and then a workout with his, Lakers strength and conditioning uh, coach. So that was all just Jordan putting in a ton of work and, um, and you know, really trying to take, take it serious. And some people could have kind of... You said, oh, man, I don't have to really showcase what I can do for another three years until contract year. But uh, Jordan didn't want to do that. Jordan wanted to continue to improve. And, um, you know, I think that chip that's been on his shoulder ever since he was under-recruited out of high school before I even knew him. Um, you know, I think that chip has been on his shoulder and, and will stay on his shoulder for the for his entire career, that underdog mentality that he's got to prove people wrong.
0: That's some awesome insight, man. Our last JC question essentially is like, if you could tell one thing to the fans who, you know, typically we're very impatient, we question these guys' work ethics and what's really going on. And you've pretty much touched upon all of this uh, in separate segments throughout our interview. What would you like to tell them with regards to these players and what they don't see that you do, and especially as it pertains to Jordan Clarkson?
4: I mean, for Jordan, I mean, I, I think a lot of people know that he's hardworking. Obviously, we, we try to post a good amount of uh, clips and stuff like that on my Instagram and YouTube just so that they can kind of see some of the, the growing pains that these guys are going through. But, um, you know, like I said, I mean, just he's been a worker for his the entire time that I've known him. And I know that his, his parents have instilled hard work in him way before I was around. And, um, you know, he slept on my couch during his summer, <laughs> you know, summers and <laughs> Uh, you know, he's still the same guy that he was today, but, um, I think that the thing that they don't realize is that if you look at championship teams over the last say 25 years, every single one of them has had a superstar, you know? And, and if you go, okay, whether it's Steph Curry being MVP, LeBron James, you know, a guy that is one of the great top 10 players of the year. Then you have Michael Jordan winning all those. Then you have Dirk Nowinski at top 10 scorer, You got Hakeem Olajuwon and you start going back, you got the big three in Boston there's really no team that's won in maybe the last twenty five years that didn't have a superstar, and so some people might point out the Detroit Pistons when they had that all defensive team they still had you know multiple multiple all stars. I think that they just got to realize that all these guys for the Lakers are really young, and uh you know in the next three to five years they're going to start becoming the future all stars and that's when they'll have a chance to put it together and make you know playoff runs that the Lakers fans will be proud of and are accustomed to
0: right. Sorry, I lied. I have one more JC question. I guess based off of what you've seen from him this year and contextualizing everything, like you said, in terms of the sparse minutes and just the push and pull between that, what have you seen that, that you've liked? And I guess what is still a work in progress, I guess, based off of what you guys have worked on this past summer?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, like like I said, I mean, I think his pace has been really, uh, has improved a lot and he's letting the game come to him more. He's finding ways to fit in more. Um and i think that he's going to i think the whole team has has you know kind of started to figure out a little bit more on on what they can and can't do which is hard when you have a new a new staff and you have mm-hmm. a bunch of young players um and i think the thing that i that he continues to need to improve on is is just making the right decision more often um you know not taking bad shots not make, making dumb turnovers um not taking chances on defense just becoming more solid because um You know, I think that he's he's smart enough basketball IQ wise that he can become a really, you know, steady player that, uh, you know, can take over games and can do all that, but also does it in a really effective and efficient manner. And so, um, you know, I think that as he continues to, um, you know, let the game slow down for him, um, I think that you'll see him being able to maximize his athleticism. And you know all the tools that he has in his game because he has a lot of tools that he hasn't even showcased yet. And I think that you'll see him, uh, you know, being more of a well-rounded player where he's grabbing more rebounds, getting more assists, being a better playmaker, being a you know a better defender, and then overall a better all-around player. And I think that's the player that Laker fans will get to see in the next you uh, know next couple of years.
0: That's awesome. Alan, do you have any last comments?
4: No,
2: I'm good. I mean, thank you on behalf of all Laker fans for all the work you've done with Jordan. I know you said uh, all the credit goes to the players, but uh, yeah, honestly, we've, we've seen a huge uh, improvement in his game, and it's awesome to watch all the videos that you post on Instagram of all the hard work that goes in, and yeah, I could really appreciate the uh, the mental aspect um, and approach that you guys all take uh, towards the game. So, yeah, man.
0: Totally. Do you have time for one last question? Yeah, I can. Okay, so lastly, just this is more in general. With regards, because you're having like a bang-out year with all of your clients pretty much, namely all the shooting guards as well as Joel Embiid. With regards to Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, I feel almost vindicated in my faith in both of them from the start to see them absolutely tearing up the league at the two spot. Unfortunately, Zach Levine has just gotten a torn ACL, but can you quickly talk about just what you worked on with these players in summary and what contributed to both of their successes. And I guess, particularly for Bradley Beal who's had a long history of battling stress fractures. And I know you might not necessarily have a hand in that, but what's led to his career year essentially and not getting hurt or injured.
4: Yeah. For Brad, it was, it was uh, the wizard tired, uh, a full-time therapist. Um, And Jesse was, was a therapist name and he did an amazing job. Of you know pushing Brad and and working all these micro muscles around all of the injured areas that he had you know had detailed history in the past of, and um, they worked really hard on the therapy side and we took a very strategic pro- approach this off season normally you know we we worked almost too hard probably and that's probably mm-hmm. why some of the overuse injuries happened was because Brad and I have been working together since he was you know 13 years old and mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and we were going three four hours a day at times and. And while that success helped him, you know, nag the fourth biggest contract in NBA history, uh, which we don't regret, we do regret that we probably didn't work as smart as we probably could have when he was younger. When I was first starting out and didn't know as much about the scientific approach of managing body load and stuff like that, but we really took a scientific approach this summer, uh, made sure that we were only doing two a days, two to three times a week. And we were giving them weekends off so that we could have proper rest and stuff like that. So I think that's why Brad's healthy, but I'm telling you the wizards hiring and Jesse was a huge mm-hmm. part of it just because he did such a good job on the therapy side. And then for Zach Levine, uh, man, I felt terrible for him, um, you know, but he was having another career year. his, again, he's just a worker. I mean, his, him and his dad have been in the backyard and and on football fields doing strength and conditioning stuff since he was, he, you know, very, very little. And uh, you know, he's just a worker and um, we made some shot changes uh, that helped him, you know, shoot career percentages. Um, And you saw kind of what he could do, a glimpse of what he could do when he was averaging 20 points a game and shooting four over over 40% from three. Uh, But I think that he finally proved to everybody that he's a lot more than a dunker. And um, one of the cool parts, the only cool part of the process of Zach getting hurt, and again, you never want an injury to happen, but uh, he'll be out in L.A. doing doing all of his rehab and his surgery and stuff like that. So for the next nine months, uh, while he recovers, we'll be doing and you know an hour long film session every day. So I think he's going to come back, you know, a, a very very sharp, high IQ guy that uh, is going to come back and and be. Uh, an amazing decision maker that is going to prove, you know, kind of take everybody that said, you know, I was actually just an athlete. It, it's going to take them, um, uh a little while getting used to the even smarter, even better, even more efficient, even more effective Zach Levine. That's going to be a hell of a playmaker. That's going to, uh, you know, really be one of the best, uh, you know, young scars in the league.
0: Awesome. All right, Drew, we will let you go. Thank you so much once again for coming on the Lakers legacy podcast, your transparency and insight and knowledge is just amazing. And we're glad to be able to just hear all of that from you. Lastly, can you just give us your social media handles again and your website and everything, anything you want to plug, go ahead.
4: Yeah, it's at Pure Sweat um, and then at Drew Hamlin on all social media and then uh, PureSweatBasketball.com. But, you know, I think the fans uh, like the social media stuff so much more just because, uh, <laughs> you know, they get the daily the daily doses of, you know, the, the up-and-coming superstars that I, that I have a, f- a chance to work with on a daily basis.
0: Cool. Thank you for being part of the new wave of the NBA future, man.
4: <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Thanks. Thank man. you. We'll catch you later. Go!
1: Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up.
0: All right. So that was our interview with Drew Hanlon. Alan, what was it like speaking to a guy that is so in touch right now with the youth, the youth movement of the NBA, all these rising stars that we've come to love? And at this point, through Drew Hanlon, we're pretty much like, I don't know. I don't know what the degree is, but like three degrees of separation from Joel Embiid, you know. So, what was what was that experience like?
2: Yeah, it's like on LinkedIn when you have those like third connections, you know. <laughs> exactly. Like who you know, who knows, who knows. But uh, man, it was it was awesome. Really hearing him talk about how Jordan is as a person more than anything else—that um, he's such an incredibly hard worker, despite what his demeanor can be on the court and. Uh, You know, goof around Nick Young and all that stuff, but to to know that he's one of his hardest working players and even talking about, you know, Jordan's days back in Tulsa and how he Mm -hmm. really had to be that underdog and work his tail off to get where he is now and hearing the insight on Bradley Beal's parents calling Drew (laughs) when Bradley Beal was like in high school and he would lift weights with his brothers because they're all football players. I mean, getting all that information was was really profound and yeah like you said i i feel like a a greater connection in some weird way you know to all these all these players and um yeah i mean I, i hope we have more opportunities like this in the future for sure
0: No, definitely. I think one of the more interesting tidbits he gave us was just how much the amount of preparation he does Mm. before he trains with these players. And just talking about how he'll watch all these YouTube interviews of these guys, as many interviews as he can, just to get to know that guy, not only as a basketball player, right, but also as a person. It's almost like he is a coach. Mm. And then once he actually trains with them, he knows how to, you know, push their their buttons or, you know, how to work with their personalities. And I just thought that was great. Just the amount of preparation even before he gets to on court work with them. So that was awesome. And obviously we can tell from the career guy, career years that the, his guys are having, you know what I mean? So I, I totally agree with you. I love the anecdotes about how he got started. That's like an amazing story. Just, working really hard with Bradley Beal, training with him, and then him kind of staying the same height, but Bradley Beal sprouting. Mm-hmm. And then from, from there, you know, it doesn't matter as long as you keep working hard. People will notice that and they'll bring you on along the way, you know? So, yep. um, so yeah. Hope you guys really enjoyed that weed as much as we did. Uh, hopefully we can get him on again sometime soon. And, yeah, just, just keep looking forward to... Great quality content like this from the Lakers Legacy Podcast. We're really excited to release this episode, obviously. Uh, Before we close this out, though, we just wanted to do a quick NBA draft tank update because some crazy things have been happening in the NCAA with some of our, not some of our, but some of the top prospects. Maybe they will be our top draft (laughs) prospects. But, uh, Alan, what did you see out of Lonzo Ball? Oh,
2: my God, this guy went freaking insane the other night against Oregon. So UCLA was down like like 20 points, basically. And they came back, and they won. And the last three minutes of this game was ridiculous. Lonzo Ball just completely took over. And it wasn't just jacking up 40-foot three-pointers, although he did that one time. <laughs> um, he was he was getting in the paint. Uh, he had this, this sick layup, dude, where he, he broke a guy off the dribble, totally broke his angles. And kind of went up on the left side of the rim and then around on the right side. <clears throat> He's so athletic and explosive. And um, <clears throat> he just got it done, man. He put the team on his back and he won the game. Uh, Magic Johnson was sitting right there courtside checking things out. Mitch Kupchak was up in the suites <laughs> watching the game as well. Um, so, there, I mean, there it felt like a March Madness game. Um, Oregon was ranked fifth at the time, UCLA 10th. And uh, shoot, I'm blanking right now. What's the Oregon guy's name? The their star player? There um, we can Edit this. <laughs> uh,
0: Aaron Aaron Brooks? Yeah, yeah. So
2: Aaron, okay, so <laughs> okay. Aaron Brooks. No, it's not. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just joking because Aaron Brooks used to play for Oregon. But yeah, go ahead. I'm
2: pretty sure it's Dylan Brooks. Hold on. <laughs> My name is Charles Buckley, and I'm a dumbass. <laughs>
0: Dylan Brooks, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, okay, okay. (laughs)
2: So so Dylan Brooks was tearing UCLA apart, man. He was getting to the rim. He had this this crazy poster two handed dunk over UCLA's bigs, and he was just jawing at the crowd. And he even looked at Magic a few times and like Hmm. said something. It's like, bro, get over yourself, man. Um, But Lonzo responded like 10 times over, and uh, it it was freaking crazy. It was the best college basketball game of the year, for sure.
0: Yeah, have you seen that video of Lonzo Ball's three point shot to put UCLA up by one, I believe, set to uh Titanics My Heart Will No, Go On. I have not seen that, but I okay, need Okay, I to gotta see. send I gotta send it to you because it is amazing. Pretty much any epic NBA shot or college basketball shot set to My Heart Will Go On <laughs> makes it instantly better. So much better. It's it's amazing. So yeah, outside of Lonzo Ball though, some other guys have been uh, making the headlines. Unfortunately Markel Fultz right now has been out the last two games with some sort of Knee, uh sore knee injury so i thought hopefully... you were gonna say
2: with this a, with a sneeze,
0: with a sneeze <laughs> with a... <laughs> weak yeah <laughs> no so a sore cupcake. knee sore knee hopefully he gets better and uh, is able to bounce back from that but dennis smith jr so he had an okay game pretty solid game uh his last game against uh, wake forest and they unfortunately lost by 30 points but it wasn't because of his fault He had 17 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists on 7 for 13 shooting, but the highlight of the night probably was him at the 3-point line taking a screen, knifing it down the free throw line, and just maybe 2 feet within the free throw line, absolutely tomahawk dunking it over, I don't know, 3 defenders pretty much, and it was, thirty you see that clip? 30 defenders. I mean, it was the most ferocious. It, when, when Dennis Smith does that stuff, it kind of comes out of nowhere because obviously he's not 6'5", so yeah, he's smaller. Yeah. So you don't expect that to happen. But when it happens, it's like everybody just kind of gets out of his way. And he is one of the most explosive athletes I've ever seen. And the way he cocks the ball behind his head is like reminiscent of like a LeBron James pretty much because he cocks it far behind his head. So, um Dennis Smith just continues to impress me. His team is really, really bad, like Markel Foltz, so you have to put a grain on salt on everything. But in my opinion, he is just a very exciting, flashy player who can do everything pretty much. So, um outside of Dennis Smith, you know, we've been talking a lot about Josh Jackson and I've got a perfect nickname for him now, Alan. Okay. It's uh if you remember Disney Channel's the famous Jet Jackson. <laughs> oh yeah. We dude. got the famous Josh Jackson. Nice,
2: nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: and man, his last game yesterday against Texas Tech, they only won by one point, so it was a close game. Meaningful minutes, meaningful points. He scored 31 points on 12 of 15 shootings. Jesus. Two for four from three, 11 rebounds, four assists, one steal. He was incredible, dude. He was catching alley-oop lobs, crazy putbacks crazy athletic putbacks he was making insane passes he was hitting his three pointers as he has been the last two three weeks or so and uh, man there's not a lot this guy can't do Uh, he he may not have a refined jump shot or a refined post-up game but man he is learning on the fly and improving on the fly and it's exciting to see how this guy progresses and you know as the more we get excited about all of these prospects it's you're pretty much in a good spot from one to four, you know what I mean? Mm, So
4: um,
0: it's, it's a good thing. And and we'll see how, how that uh, all shakes out because the Lakers are currently still number three with the third worst record in the NBA at 19 and 37. Uh, Phoenix is uh, right in front of them with 17 and 38. And then Orlando, Minnesota, Philly all have 20 wins. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see as the Lakers schedule evens out and we everybody kind of starts to play the same amount of games where we stand at the end of the day. But for now, we'll still continue to give these draft updates until there's no reason to. And we'll continue to try and get as excited as possible, as measured excited as possible, I guess. So uh, uh, the Lakers don't play again till Tuesday, I believe. Yep, right? yep.
3: Again, Sacktown
0: against Sacramento, and then we close it out on Wednesday against the Suns. So that's a tank bowl yeah, of game. Yeah. And and then from there, we have that long All-Star weekend where we get to kind of just have fun and watch D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, and Uncle P <laughs> a- absolutely light it up uh, during All-Star weekend. And, you know, we're going to probably just have this episode run for the entire week pretty much because do we really need any other episodes besides this Drew Hanlon one, Alan?
2: No, we don't. Not at all.
0: Nope. So this should last forever. This is one of those evergreen episodes that we hope you guys will share, retweet, and listen to over and over again just for the great insight that Drew provided us with. And seriously,
2: Drew just seems like such a nice guy. Like you would want to hang out with him after work, grab a beer, totally. just just chill and uh, talk about anything. So it'll be a pleasure to listen to for sure. Yeah.
0: There was no pretense to Jew at all, very down-to-earth, and honestly very objective and neutral, even in his assessment of his own clients like Clarkson. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate-interview us on iTunes. The more you rate-interview us, that's how many fadeaway threes Uncle P will hit standstill <laughs> during the three-point competition. Dude, he's
2: going to have Jordan Clarkson sitting right next to the little rack, passing him the ball.
0: <laughs> oh, you totally know he will. All right, to close this show out, Jordan Clarkson, tell us a little bit about how Drew Hanlon did in his interview on this podcast.
3: Oh, man, no, my my main man, Drew, uh, I thought he killed it in his uh, Lakers Legacy podcast debut, man. Uh, you know, I i I think I'm gonna coach him up a little bit though. You know, I think uh <laughs> yeah, you know, I wanna hear a little bit more swag from him. You know, I see that swag when we be working out together, but you know, as you guys, he was like like a professional, you know what I mean? He told me to be professional, but mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta get that balance sometime, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Drew, shout outs, man. You was you was awesome, dude. I, I can't wait to work with you again. And uh, yeah, we gonna do it again. You
0: yeah. for sure. All right, Alan, I'll catch you later. All right, dude. Late peace no 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 oh, oh,